Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 91 of Talking Taker, an encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Doria, I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature, Mr. Travis White. Travis... I don't know if you can tell right now, I'm a little I'm a little down, I'm a little depressed, and honestly, if you want to know the reason, you can <sighs> hashtag blame Sarah. She's back. <laughs> She's back and worse than ever. Oh, oh man. God, dude. I forgot that she was coming back to rear her ugly little head. Brunette head this time. <laughs> but um I forgot. I thought we were done with her in two thousand one. Oh man. She's gonna ruin this build. Yeah, we are covering Unforgiven 2002 and the next chapter of our journey through Taker's career, which should be an incredible first ever showdown between The Undertaker and The Beast Incarnate, the next big thing, Brock Lesnar. And it is, it's really cool, but unfortunately this whole storyline is saddled down by the return of The Undertaker's life. Ugh, unfreaking believable She's, she's worthless. <laughs> Sorry, oh, <God. laughs> storyline. I mean, yeah, I'm sure she's a lovely person. I'm sure, she's a lovely woman. So, I don't know. He <laughs> did erase her name off his neck. He so. did. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to erase her name off our podcast. But I we wish can't. we could, but we can't, man. We can't. But <laughs> we do get to talk about a lot of fun stuff. We get to oh, we get yeah. to bounce that out by talking about Matt freaking Hardy version <laughs> one here debuting and becoming a pivotal part of the storyline as well. We're going to talk about Heyman and we're going to talk about a great match. So we're going to try to have some fun through all this mess here, but we got to balance it out. You know, that's what we do here. So we're going to take you back on our time traveling motorcycle. We're going to hop in the sidecar and go all the way back to August of 2002, August 26, 2002, specifically to the night after SummerSlam 2002 Raw episode 483 to kick things off tonight and we are picking up from the night before where the Undertaker defeated Test and won the uh, World War 3 right there World War 4 maybe I don't know <laughs> World War 3 was WCW well, so Yeah exactly but there were like 3 of them so does that mean this is World War Nine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but Undertaker, he stood up for our country and and put away those evil Canadians, jammed the flag right in his heart <laughs> at that massive I'm glad tool you said test. Hard. <laughs> what, what else would I say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Remember when Batista jammed the flag in La Resistance, piled them on top of each other, and jammed the <laughs> French flag over their butt? Yeah. <laughs> I wish exactly. Taker would have done that. Anyway, <laughs> anywho's, uh, we're gonna pick up here on Raw for really for the last time here for a while. But mm -hmm. uh, this Raw is taking place from Madison Square Garden, which is always cool. And Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are gonna come out to gloat since the other part of this puzzle is that Brock Lesnar has just become the youngest WWE Undisputed Champion of all time here. He picked up a victory over The Rock, just, you know, as he's dominating all these legends in the company one by one, getting one of the biggest pushes ever, maybe the oh, biggest push yeah. ever for a rookie here. And continuing on with that, Paul Heyman is listing off all of Brock Lesnar's many accomplishments, and Brock gets on the mic, because Brock, you know, he talked a lot more back when he was a rookie. He, he did, man, yeah. 
And he was fine. He wasn't bad yeah. at it either. Um, he notes that he's only 25 years old and he's got a lot more destruction uh, coming down his path. And, you know, it's funny because 17 years later, you know, even though Brock talks a little bit more back then, these promos with Brock and Heyman haven't changed that much. <laughs> they haven't, man. It's funny because Heyman's like, I told you so. I told you he beat Hogan. I told you he won the King of the Ring. I told you he beat Rock, which is all the same stuff he says now about, you know, I told you he's going to win at WrestleMania. I told you he beat Roman there. I told you he beat Braun. So it is funny how um, uh, he's gotten a little fatter, both of them. But the stories <laughs> remain the same. So. It's a good routine, man. It works. It is. Uh, yeah, it works. And it's cool that it has all this history attached to it, too. That's mm-hmm. been going for so long. But all of a sudden, Shawn Michaels' music interrupts Brock Lesnar as he's talking, which, you know, he had that incredible comeback match the night before at SummerSlam, and Triple H took him out with a sledgehammer to his back, so, you know, the crowd is in shock. Oh, my gosh, Shawn Michaels is coming back. He's going to be the guy to take down Brock Lesnar, but, oh, no, nay, nay. It's actually Triple H taunting, and he comes out, and he's doing Shawn Michaels' pose and entrance, just gloating from his victory in a massive heel move here. And he he decides that Brock Lesnar owes him a title shot since, you know, he softened up The Rock for him on Raw last week and allowed Brock Lesnar to pick up the win at SummerSlam. And uh, the crowd is... uh, is uh, kind of into that actually surprisingly i know <laughs> i was very shocked that the crowd like loved that idea of these two guys going at it so um which again they will they will tangle uh what does it really take until 2012 for them to tango <laughs> yes that takes that long for them to dance with the stars <laughs> man how about that <laughs> goodness gracious uh but you know the crowd loved that, but they really loved The Undertaker interrupting these two guys. And he oh, comes yeah. out and says he should get the first crack at the young blood because he is the number one contender after his <laughs> victory last night. And I was, like, shaking my head, like, when was that a number one contender, Matt? Did we miss something? He's going back to 1997 when every the Monday after <laughs> Raw, after the paper, they just always just say, here's your new number one contender. Yeah. For there's, a, <laughs> there's a 50-50 shot that Undertaker's going to be number one contender <laughs> at any point in time. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, he just named himself the number one contender, but I'm fine with that. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm always good with it. <laughs> and uh, he asked Brock Lesnar the big question. Are you really the next big thing? Or the next big bitch? And that's going to be the word of the week this week on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, if we're turning our word of the month calendar, word of the day calendar, the B word is right there. Five letters. It's going to come into uh, play quite a bit. And it, as it always does in wrestling, it sets everybody off. And Brock and Triple H both go after Undertaker after he says that. But, dude, Taker powers up. He must have had some finishers in the pocket, man, because he handles <laughs> both of these guys. He sends Triple H out of the ring, and he just kind of toys with Brock for a minute and uh, slaps him a couple times and then just boots yeah. him out of the ring. Triple H runs in, stands up to Taker, but he backs off. And so Taker looks like a beast, man. Oh, just yeah. taking out Brock Lesnar and Triple H. That's pretty wild. And so... 
For his troubles, Eric Bischoff makes a number one contender match tonight in our main event between Triple H and Undertaker to decide who's going to be the first contender for Brock Lesnar's undisputed championship. Well, I think that writes itself. It sounds pretty good to me. I know I was a fan. I guess it's about time that Raw gets a number one contender because it's been SmackDown the last two months, three months of yeah. shows, I think. so. But um, it's too bad they couldn't uh, challenge for the Pac-Man title. <laughs> what, in, uh, what is the Pac-Man title? Well, that's what I'm going to call the Intercontinental title because <laughs> the Pac-Man title, those of you who don't know, Pac-Man, little yellow face that eats things. So Pac-Man title uh, is, or we call it the cannibal title, I guess, because this, this Intercontinental title is just cannibalizing the rest of the titles in, in the company because it is eating the European title um, a couple weeks ago, and it's going to eat the hardcore title here this night. <laughs> it does, man. It, Eric Bischoff combines the hardcore and Intercontinental title as – uh, RVD defeats Tommy Dreamer uh, in a really fun match yeah. between these guys, playing off their ECW history. And, you know, we talked about the hardcore title quite a bit here this past year on the podcast. The Undertaker held it proudly, and he did some great work as hardcore champion. Mm-hmm. Man, I know people, a lot of people crap on the hardcore title. It seems like people in the business crap on it more than the <laughs> fans. You ever think yeah, about that, man? I, like, you're right, man. The, the people right. who worked in wrestling hate the hardcore <laughs> title, but as fans, I know a lot of us love it, and uh, especially we loved RVD. Excuse me, RVD's run, but yeah, we loved Undertaker's run with RVD, and oh yeah, he took a lot of pride and, and really elevated that title into something meaningful when he held it. Yeah, he did, man. It was great, and um, in fact, I think that the Intercontinental title is going to be Pac-Man by the World Title coming up. It is in a couple man. months. Too. It's <laughs> so, a yeah. weird, weird time. <laughs> In, the, in WWE, man, as we've talked uh, about, 2002 is just silly. I mean, all the titles are just <laughs> combined in, for no good reason. But then they're going to create new ones and tag titles, and oh, it's just going to get nuts. It yeah. is. Um, well, and, and tying up a loose thread from last week, uh, or combining something there, uh, the Un-Americans move on from feuding with The Undertaker, and they're going to decide to... Burn an American flag in the middle of the ring. In, in MSG. <laughs> Again, we're less than a year from September 11th. Jesus. You can't do this on television. Oh. Well, thank oh. goodness The Undertaker was done with the Un-Americans, but his family was not because... Right. The red, white, and blue machine, Kane, returns from... I guess he was injured. I don't really remember uh, what happened, but he's been out for a few months now, and he comes back. He's got a brand new look, mm-hmm. and uh, he's you know updated the mask, updated his outfit here, and he, along with Booker T and Goldust, Kane fills in for Undertaker's spot right here and battles the Un-Americans, takes them out. So, you know, we will not quite talk about Kane yet here for a while but he's he's back around hanging back in yeah. and he'll he'll be on a separate show from his brother here. And he's going to one up his brother here cuz he unlike Taker last week will actually give the fans the Kane of Rooney. So. Oh man, that's a rib right there. <laughs> he's like oh, Taker won't TV. do it. He gave the Kane of Rooney there. away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you know, Kane's ahead of the, of the curve with his pants. You know those like, yoga pants girls wear now that have like the mesh in them that you can kind of see through? Kane had those on here in 2002. <laughs> the fashion icon right there. <laughs> the mayor knocks I think Kane was at the Met Gala earlier this week. I think he had a really cool outfit. I'm not sure. I saw some rumors about that. Well, uh, anyway, 
the main event for tonight, like we said, Triple H and Undertaker, pretty huge main event even back yeah. then. Oh, you yeah. know, um, but Triple H attacks Undertaker before the bell rings. They have a good long main event matchup, and then Brock Lesnar is going to interfere with in things, and he pretty much allows Triple H to steal the victory with a Death Valley blow, screwing over the Undertaker and picking up the win to become the new. Number one contender for the Undisputed Championship, which is kind of weird. I guess Brock Lesnar decides he'd rather face Triple H than Undertaker because he's helping him become the guy he's going to face. But Triple H is happy about it. Uh, He's going to be set up to take on Brock Lesnar next, or so we think, as Lesnar and Heyman retreat up the ramp. Uh, Because we're going to cut backstage. You'd think the show would be over, but... We see Eric Bischoff in the back. He's gloating to Stephanie McMahon after the match, but she doesn't seem to care. She's just smiling at Bischoff and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Triple H is the number one contender for nothing, really, because apparently it's the champion's prerogative to decide which show he wrestles on. And Stephanie pays a lot of money to have Brock Lesnar exclusive to SmackDown. So Lesnar and Heyman walk up. They get in a limo, and they... Right off with Steph, or they ride off. They're going out with Stephanie McMahon, and Stephanie informs Eric that the undisputed championship is exclusive to SmackDown, and says to Eric Bischoff, "How do my peaches taste now?" <laughs> Which is what I say to everyone who pisses me off. <laughs> it's a common maybe phrase. Just, maybe she just watched Google hunting and she figured, she got the apples. Cross with the peaches. <laughs> yeah, she uses the peach emoji a lot, you know. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> oh, millions of peaches. Peaches for me. <laughs> so, yeah. How do you like my, how do you like those apples? It's like how my peaches taste. Like that's not the saying. That's not the saying. Oh man. Oh, but this but, is um, crazy, man. The this was a pretty shocking revelation yeah, and it, it left everyone like what the heck, dude? The WWE right. Championship, which is supposed to cross brands, is gone to SmackDown now. And that's the major storyline, really, more than anything, is this brand war between Stephanie and Eric right here, trying to one-up each other week after week after week. Yeah, and it's weird, too, because with Taker, not Taker, with Brock being official on SmackDown now, that's all four of those OVW horsemen. You know, oh, take, uh, wow. Brock, Cena, uh Orton. Who else? Orton and uh, Batista, all exclusive there for yeah. a minute. So, yeah, kind of neat how that worked out. SmackDown kind of was the land of the rising stars back it then was. too, man. It's, it it's, always it's, was, man. Yeah, because you had so. Guerrero and Benoit there as well, mm-hmm. and Mysterio about to form. We're about to see really the SmackDown Six coming into oh, play. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, speaking of SmackDown, <clears throat> that's going to take us over to SmackDown 158 on uh, August 29th, though, too, just a couple days later after Brock has officially moved to SmackDown. So the show opens with a video of him winning the title at SummerSlam, and Stephanie comes out to declare the whole, SmackDown the, his exclusive home. And uh, we, um, she says the main event of Raw is a moot point now because uh, tonight we're going to have a one-night series to determine the new number one contender for, the Brock, for Brock's title, which basically I thought it was going to be a gauntlet-style match as I was watching the show, like, one after another. But it's like, it's a gauntlet match, but they're, like, individual matches throughout yeah. the night. So it was kind of weird. Yeah, kind of interesting. I don't think they've ever really it, done it yeah. before. It was something different. Yeah. 
I definitely thought it was a cool feel because you don't constantly just see them over and over again, and you get you get to see other matches throughout the show, but yeah. other storylines too. So, and they got to have backstage stuff going on, but it was really neat. But a couple stories going through going through this threading through this story through this episode is um basically Matt Hardy's trying to get put into this series and um, so is Hardcore Holly. So talk about <laughs> land of opportunity. These two guys are no, not the young one. young kid on the block, Hardcore Holly. <laughs> yeah. I got an ideal. <laughs> How about you put me in a tournament? <laughs> well I beat Steph, everybody. Kind of... <laughs> Stephanie is Stephanie to face and a heel at the same time. She has this rare ability like all McMahons do to become True. both play both sides. So um highlight my peaches now. But anyway, so she's like <laughs> blowing off Matt Hardy and blowing off Hardcore Holly, but she blows off Hardcore to take a phone call. Don Marie's like, um he had a phone call, you know, Stephanie and so uh, she goes in, takes his phone call, and later on, Matt comes in and is like, I need to talk to you, I need to talk to you. And he winds up actually hanging the phone up for her as she's on the phone with this mystery person um, who feels like they've been mistreated on Raw. And she assures this person um, – or no, I'm sorry. She makes – she books Matt Hardy into a non-title match against Brock. Um, so basically, she's a heel, booking him to get squashed by Brock, <laughs> right. which is also a face. But then she gets back on the phone call later on, and she assures this person that you know they're not going to be mistreated on SmackDown like they were on Raw. And she's like, "I'm going to send Domri right over now with the paperwork." So, hopefully, that's all she took to the um, hotel with her. <laughs> but we don't know. I guess this mystery superstar was there, but knowing Domri, uh, like we like we do, I'm sure she took more than that. So, well, she's gone from being Vince Man's paralegal secretary to Stephanie's assistant somehow. I don't know when that happened or how that happened, but. Yeah. Yeah, she's working her way up the corporate ladder. <laughs> exactly. One, One way, way or another. another. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the the matches in this, uh, I guess, Survivor Gauntlet Series, series. Type thing. Yeah, yeah, Gauntlet. Infinity Gauntlet Series. That's uh, it, is... the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> Ahead of its time. Exactly. Um, Eddie Guerrero beats Edge. Later on, Rikishi beats Eddie Guerrero, who he's trying to get this get a piece of the quiche like saying oh dear lord man <laughs> so bad oh so bad uh benoit beats rikishi and then angles the last one he's kind of announces i'm gonna be benoit's uh you know opponent later on for the number one contendership crowd loves that idea of benoit angle going at it. <laughs> yeah so do i so did you so, i mean we did at that time i do now so um and then we get smackdown's number one number one announcer funaki he's to yes. interview Paul Heyman backstage and it's like, can I interview Brock Lesnar before his match? And um, Lesnar uh, doesn't come out of his, his room there, but uh, Heyman's kind of talking for a second and then Matt Hardy just interrupts and says, Hello, Finaki. If Brock doesn't want to talk, then I'll talk. You see, tonight is a very special night because it marks a new era in the WWE. And no, no, it's not the era of Brock. It's the era of Matt Hardy. You see, no longer will this era be referred to it's WWE Attitude. From here out, it's WWE Attitude. That's his little V1 symbol. And uh, pay attention, ladies and gentlemen at home, because Matt Hardy is going to play a much, much larger role than you remember. Um, definitely took me aback watching all this. and I did not recall that the Undertaker is responsible for Matt Hardy version one. So, well, Dude, you just talking about... <laughs> 
somebody who took every opportunity and ran with it or some and somebody that was all about reinvention for his entire career like mm-hmm. you know we nowadays give so much praise to the broken Matt Hardy stuff but this was a huge deal that he was oh yeah reinventing himself like he was not going to pull a Marty Jannetty and just right. be the same guy forever after his yeah. tag team broke up. <laughs> he was split yeah. off to somewhere different, and he started this new character, which yep. made him, you know, he's never going to be as big as his brother, Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's just always and forever going to be the yeah. guy who's more of a legend than Matt Hardy. But Matt Hardy stands on his own, without a doubt, and it's because oh, he reinvented himself self with stuff like this because i guarantee you he came up with this i don't think anybody oh, yeah. creative they may have helped him along the way but he pitched this stuff no uh, doubt about it i've i've heard interviews with him and he said that vince never got the version one thing he yeah. said basically it was a precursor to who broken matt became like it's and or the what's what's the one he had in tna the big big money matt hardy yeah he did that too for a while so like all this stuff, he's so creative, man, and all this stuff is just flowing. And like, I don't know Vince didn't get it, but it was the coolest that the Matt facts, the freaking song, the Monster Magnet song we're about to get is just, it's all great stuff, man. But yeah. I really and hope Matt, when Matt, he does finally retire that he ends up on the creative staff, man. Like, oh, I don't yeah, know if he sure. can translate ideas to other people, but I'd love to right. see him try, man, because oh, yeah. he's one of the most creative guys in the business. Absolutely. And uh, it's funny because he and Taker have had this kind of rivalry going since take her turn heel last december (laughs) it's just weird so um anyway well as you might imagine lesnar brutalizes matt hardy and wins with the f5 and uh but that's not enough he comes in and delivers um a power bomb and then you know keeps his hands clasped and picks him up and power bombs him again the same move he did like to spite dudley when he first debuted that night after wrestlemania so um which is always one of my favorite things to do on the trampoline oh yeah buddies so um just making this point he's a beast and um well, later on, Don Marie comes back and she shows Stephanie that the newly signed contract that uh, this mystery Raw wrestler. So now Stephanie says the main event for No More Contender is going to be a triple threat between Benoit Angle and the former Raw wrestler. So um, we don't know who it is. Uh, Benoit's in the ring waiting for this match. Angle enters next. And then Stephanie comes out and introduces the, and I quote, legendary superstar that she just signed to SmackDown, the Phenom, The Undertaker. So huge pop. I mean, yeah. standing ovation. Everyone is standing up. And as Anchor comes around and he rides his bike around, Michael Cole gives him the biggest thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, man. Like, it was caught on film and everything. And it is so dorky. I loved it, though, because I would have done the same thing. So. Oh, 100%, man. He gives him, <laughs> gives him a new nickname, I guess. Calls him the American Original. <laughs> He does, yeah. The American Ridge, which sounds like a <clears throat> Subway sandwich or something, but it gives him that name. <laughs> well, this American Original is going to go one-on-one-on-one with an American Original, Kurt Angle, and a Canadian Original with uh, Chris Benoit here. And this is a, this is a good match, man. Oh, it's fun. Really good. It's really, really good. good. And um, I'll be honest. I saw a lot of hate online when I was doing some research for this match. I, mean, I watched the match, obviously, but I was reading some reviews and stuff. A lot of hate for this match because people were, you know, these wrestling purists that want to see these two, you know, guys go at it and you get big old bad lumber and taker crammed in there. But honestly, he held his own. He did a good job. Um, then Juan Angle kind of double team him <clears throat> to start and they dump him out and um, and then they start their their technical stuff, you know, start 
they're really cool back and back and forth stuff. And it's just a really cool match. Um, really good three way. That gives that one we covered um, uh, back at uh, oh goodness with the Rock and Vengeance. Um, yeah, the, the Vengeance yeah, one dude, gives that one right up there, money. man. I thought so too. <clears throat> oh yeah, it's fun. Uh, really cool stuff. And um, <clears throat> the finish comes from Taker is actually in the cross face and the ankle lock at the same time. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, he's super Taker, so he's not gonna tap out you know um but angle winds up just giving up for some reason and he breaks it and then <clears throat> he um starts going after benoit and trading holds with him and then angle hits a angle slam on taker but then he gets dumped out by benoit and taker it took 11 seconds i counted after the angle slam taker pops up 11 seconds later so some people online were crapping that he's no cells i'm like no dude he's taker though like he doesn't have to stay right. down for he's earned that you know um, but anyway, he pops up 11 seconds later, gives Benoit a last ride, and officially becomes the number one contender for the undisputed title. So, um, which I guess could be the disputed title because it's the only one around, but it's on SmackDown. So, um, someone's about to dispute it here very shortly. Yeah, but um, some marks were mad that you know Taker snuck in there, but whatever, man, that's the freaking right call. The crowd ate it up; they loved every second of it. It was awesome. Great match. Go out of your way to watch it. So, yeah, a lot of fun. You know, as I was watching it, too, I was kind of thinking back to 2002 as well. And, you know, I can imagine we were probably pissed off when it was happening. And because, you know, there was obviously a certain sentiment of, quote-unquote, smart marks, which I think we considered ourselves to be Absolutely. back then. <laughs> But, you know, we loved Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. And, like, we yeah. were always wanting those guys to get the new opportunity, especially Chris Benoit, who had never had that opportunity. Right. So to have them be in the main event and to be thinking, oh, man, they're going to run with something new, something fresh. And all of a sudden, The Undertaker comes out. And, like, it's, you know, it's the classic Mr. Man loves the big, strong guy and is going to hold down, mm-hmm. you know, the young, you know, little guys, the vanilla midgets, Chris Benoit, right. Kurt Angle, <laughs> that sort of thing. And for sure, man, I can understand why people were pissed off. We were oh, probably yeah. upset when that happened back in the day. I get it. And I and I can, like, this is where I really can see and understand the hate for Undertaker coming sure. through. But with hindsight, with perspective, Knowing where this story is going with Taker and Lesnar, knowing that you know Taker's going to be there to help get Lesnar over. Lesnar's the guy that exactly. they're running with, and he's actually there putting over that young guy. And knowing the story they have to tell there, it absolutely, I think, is the right decision. And <clears throat> and again, Taker is way over with the wider population of the crowd than maybe the smart marks, especially in 2002. It's different in 2019, I think, when it seems like everybody's online. But in 2002, that was a much smaller section of the crowd that was probably clamoring for Benoit Angle to be there over The Undertaker, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree with everything you said. That was a great assessment there. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, hindsight in 2020, it's definitely the right call. And um, as I'm watching it here in 2019, as we're covered all, I, yeah, there's no doubt this is the right way to go, man. Because having Lesnar beat Benoit next or beat Angle next, like they weren't on that same echelon no, as, as Taker was. So, no. yeah. 
it does eventually when they have, you know angle and brought, get to go at it and stuff like that's great but like right now this is what the new guy needed he needed to establish himself and it tells the story he's been running through these legends yeah here's another legend you know take her so anyway and really dude this is pretty much starting a new era for the undertaker because he's exclusive to smackdown now he is pretty much from this point forward for the majority of his career we're rarely going to see The Undertaker on Raw anymore, especially these first few years. You know, he will eventually, as the brands really just kind of become more fluid, he'll come back there. But he was pretty much a SmackDown guy for the majority yeah. of his career after this. And uh, it's all thanks to Don Marie. You know, she was there. Yeah. <laughs> she there sealed go. the deal right there. Thank Whoa. Goodness. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, she did. But, um,. Yeah, I, I guess he pulled the wild card shake up or whatever. They're yeah, doing sure. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's so um, funny, man. Everyone's complaining online about the current product and how, oh, good, everyone's just jumping from brand to brand. They, they don't care about the brand split. Well, they've never cared about the brand split. It's never, yeah. <laughs> it's never been this that here sanctified thing, dude. Yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. But uh, this, of course, yeah. is all going to lead to the creation of the World Championship. On Raw, the World Heavyweight title, I guess the big gold belt. Now that SmackDown has its the undisputed title exclusively, Eric Bischoff is going to bring out the big gold belt, name it the World Heavyweight title, and gift it to Triple H. And uh, that's a belt also that's going to kind of become associated with The Undertaker a bit. He's going to hold it a number of times here later on. And it's going to be an important part of WWE for the next 13 years or so. And you know, we have Undertaker to credit for it, man, because... <laughs> He drives Brock Lesnar away. I don't know. We're <laughs> <laughs> reaching for that. Yeah, one. reaching for that one. No, it's all right. But man, I remember talking about Smart Marks being upset. I was ticked that Triple H got handed this title. Yep, but ticked. guess what? But you know, that was the what? point. It made sense, and I was supposed to hate him. It was yep. perfect, 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 perfect. So yeah, as a Mark, as a fan, I was so angry, but I was supposed to be. So yeah, yeah. but it worked. But I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I love that title more than any other title. I love the big gold belt. Yeah. Nothing beats a big gold belt for me. So yeah, I I probably put the the wing eagle. The, the, yeah, that's my number one because that's what I grew up on. But yeah, it's it's one A is the big gold belt, man. Uh, that's a beautiful yeah. beautiful championship, and uh, we will talk yeah. about it quite a bit here later on. But <laughs> we're gonna keep talking about this undisputed title on SmackDown episode one fifty nine from September fifth two thousand two. As we get a uh, recap of all of everything that happened on SmackDown last week, and uh, we find out we're gonna get a face-to-face showdown between Taker and Brock Lesnar tonight, and uh, we're gonna see both guys compete in the show as well. Brock Lesnar is gonna have a one-on-one match with the young Randy Orton, and then our main event is gonna be a little hodgepodge six-man tag with. <laughs> Undertaker, Edge, and the Quiche up against uh, Guerrero, Angle, and Benoit. Man, how about that? Look at that. Look at that trifecta, man. And uh, Rikishi, like you said, he's he's trying to get over the worst t-shirt I've ever seen in my life. It has a picture of his butt on the back of it at the bottom of the shirt in the thong. Like, what grown human being besides Rikishi would ever wear that? When I was watching this, I literally thought he was like Lita. I thought his shirt was short, and he had this thong was hanging out the top of his it's pants. Awful. So I had to, like, it's pause so it and bad. see that it was actually his shirt. It was crazy. It was so bad. 
It's like one of those you buy at like Myrtle Beach on a bad day. That's exactly <laughs> it, man. Well, uh, it's cool to see Lesnar and Orton go one-on-one with each other here, and they actually have a pretty competitive match. Mm-hmm. Here again, both these guys in their first six months of the company here and already carrying a lot of things. Pretty neat to see. And those guys are going to be the future of the WWE. They're going to feud you know, 15 years from now as well. And Brock Lesnar is going to pick up the win, obviously, here. But uh, the big story of the night, the, the biggest thing we get to talk about is this face-to-face with Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. So it's... I thought it was really cool. They're, they're backstage. They're in, like, this dimly lit room facing off from each other. It looks like they're at the kids' table, man. But <laughs> That's the only thing that took me out of it. The well, they're so big. <laughs> they're such big guys. They make that table look table small. I have table on my back porch. My children said that I didn't play. <laughs> That's the only thing I didn't like, man. I did like how it was backstage. I liked it. It wasn't in front of the crowd. It was different. You didn't need all the distractions for that. It was different. Yeah. I like how it was dimly lit and everything was black, but the table, man, really just took me out of it. It was so tiny. <laughs> well, uh, Taker and Brock are sitting across from each other. Heyman's right next to Brock. <clears throat> Stephanie is in the middle of them, kind of moderating things between them. Uh, the belt, the undisputed title is right there in between them. And Lesnar, he doesn't have too much to say. He kind of, he says he lets his actions speak for himself. And he lists off some of those actions, his amateur accomplishments, his rise to the top of the WWE, including, in his words, crucifying Hulk Hogan. I missed that mm. night. <laughs> I saw yeah, the bear hug. I, I missed the crucifixion. <laughs> Which he might you know, symbolized him. Yeah, they don't do crucifying in wrestling. Right. They don't do that. But uh, Taker's got his shades on, man. He's just staring Brock Lesnar down. He doesn't seem too impressed with anything. Lesnar talks about brutalizing Randy Orton a few minutes ago, and he, he didn't even break a sweat. He's the youngest WWE champion and just absolutely insults Taker here and says, how old are you, Taker? Which is funny because I actually looked it up, and he's 37 years old here, which is one year younger than Randy Orton is now. Isn't that crazy? It's weird to think about that stuff, man. Time is so funny with wrestling. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> it is crazy. But yeah, Taker's 37 here, so 12 years older than this old guy. Well, Taker chuckles at this, dude, He and he delivers a great promo here. 25 years old. 25 years old. And you're on top of the world, aren't you? I look in your eyes, and I see it. It's that look that says, nobody can beat me, nobody can touch me. You know how many times I've seen that look? More times than I can count. Take her plan into his history. This is just a perfect rivalry, man. The young Mm -hmm. kid that's a monster like we've really never seen before, six months into his career, and then the old... Uh, legend, the the legend, the mm-hmm. real legend killer, the Undertaker. Right, man, standing up there, he's built up this decade of destruction, uh, going up against this untested rookie, and that's what he says. Taker says, "You haven't been tested yet. You haven't been taken where I'm gonna take you at Unforgiven." And he talks about Brock bragging about wiping Hogan's blood all over him, which was just an incredible moment yeah and taker says well have you ever had to wipe your own blood off your own eyes have you ever reached down and felt your ribs broken and wondered about how you're gonna win a match nah nobody's ever beaten you up yet but that's about to change real soon taker says he's gonna take him someplace he's never been and if you can survive that well then you might really have something to brag about 
Tigger says, life makes no exceptions, and neither do I. Because to me, it's all about the fright, the fight, Brock. And at Unforgiven, you are mine. So just an awesome, awesome, classic, old-school promo from Taker. This was great. It was good, man. And, dude, Taker is just promoing all over the place now, man. I love it. It's just it's fun to see him talk. Cause we, we didn't get him talking so yes, much in the first exactly. part of his career, but now we get a lot of talking. He's doing such a good job, man. Such a good job. Paul Heyman liked it, too. He gave Taker, gave Taker a round of applause, <laughs> slow clap. <sighs> but then Paul Heyman, God bless him, he changes the subject. He says, you know, Brock Lesnar is focused on The Undertaker, but unfortunately The Undertaker is focused on his family situation at home. And you can just hear the air get sucked out of the room here. (laughs) Taker, he's like, all right. He's like, you just need to back off and focus on business. And Stephanie says the same thing to Heyman. He says, this is not about family here. And Paul says, oh, no, I beg to differ because... To Brock Lesnar, that undisputed championship, that's his family. And he works every day to defend it. But The Undertaker, he doesn't just have to train to beat Brock Lesnar. He has to worry about tending to his pregnant wife, Sarah, at home. (sighs) Taker warns Heyman again to just watch where you're going. And Paul says, I know exactly where I'm going. And he reassures Taker that if anything happens to him... He'll be glad to take care of his wife, Sarah, but he has no interest in taking care of his unborn child. And Mm. then Taker flips the kid's table over (laughs) and sends Paul running away. But Brock, you know, he bucks up to Taker and sharing a tense showdown, stare down with each other. It's a great visual. And, man, this was an excellent, awesome promo until it became about Sarah. And Mm. then it just went off the cliff. Yep, I just wrote, "Dang it, my night exactly, is dang man. it." She ruins it. It's like ah, I'm trying to think of a movie that's like really good for like half of it, and then all of a sudden the second half takes a horrible left turn. Cause that's exactly what happened here. Like, it's uh, just Wedding Crashers. Uh, Hank, Hancock. Hancock was the other one <laughs> I was going to go perfect. for. It. Like the first, the first forty-five half of minutes Hancock is fantastic. Then it gets then it real a, weird. Right <laughs> left turn, and it becomes a whole different movie. And that is it exactly does. what happened here. I mean, this whole, they could have just stopped with the whole, you know, you're the youngest champion. Because Taker, when he won his first title, he was the youngest champion. Oh, man. Remember? Yes. But then Yokozuna took that, that, you know, uh, I guess, title away from him later on. He became the youngest. But then, you know, they could go parallel that, you know, like he was 25 years old when he won the title. Brock's 25 now. Like, it was, there's so much story there. So much. There's no need for the drama. There's no need for the Sarah. No need for the baby at all, man. You could have cut it off right after Undertaker's promo, and I would have been like, "Here's my money, man. I want to see that match. I don't need this." Like, I think sometimes, especially in this era, they got too worked up about this idea that wrestling is a male soap opera, right? And like. What we mean when we say that is that it's these ongoing storylines that are <laughs> yeah. about intense, you know, feuds between and people emotions and, and stuff, emotions. Yeah. We don't mean yeah. that we actually want soap opera things with pregnant <laughs> wives and this and and weddings and this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's like uh, that's oh. not what you're supposed to mean when you mean a so- male soap opera. Oh, but, exactly. But. Yeah. I think we gotta change this hashtag from blame Sarah to hashtag Sarah ruins everything. 
All right. Sign me up. I'm down for that. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to create a Twitter just to start that. I need something more. Well, show's not over yet. Thank goodness we get a really fun six-man main event. And, again, this main event, let, let me repeat this. It's Undertaker, Edge, and the quiche up against... <laughs> Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> I feel like a breakfast, like a quiche, like eggs, scrambled eggs, eggs baked in the oven. Eddie Guerrero, Angle, and Benoit. And just think about this, my man. Oh, man. Taker is in there with these five pretty young guys. Rikishi's, you know, he's been around the block for a while. But sure. That was 2002. Right. In 2019, yes, yeah, 17 years later, the Undertaker is the one that's still on the roster, semi-active. He hasn't had a match in 2019 yet, but he's allegedly going to be at the Saudi Arabia show. But Kurt Angle is now retired. Two of these guys have passed away, unfortunately. Edge will never wrestle again due to injury, and Rikishi right. hasn't wrestled in the WWE in years. Undertaker <laughs> is the last man standing. That's just crazy, man. That's wild. If you just looked at that ring, you said he's the last one, or he's the first one gone because he's been there a long time. Yes. Hey, man, dead man walking. He is, dude. And he, the tag team specialist, he gets the hot tag, runs wild on these guys, and really fun finish as the heels, they all recover, but they start arguing with each other and fighting each other and leaves Eddie Guerrero all by himself in the ring with his back to Taker, Edge, and Rikishi, and then he just kind of slowly realizes it. He turns around, and just perfect Eddie Guerrero fashion, he just tries to be friends with these guys. Yeah. It is... Anyone on the current roster, anyone wanting to become a wrestler, should watch this match and the ending. Just the ending. Just watch Eddie Guerrero and how good he is. The whole... The theatrics of him backing up into the three big guys, realizing that they're behind him, changing his attitude, trying to befriend them, getting his butt handed to them, eating all their finish. Like, that whole, whatever it was, 80-second story right there is just immaculate, man. Eddie is so good. (laughs) And then Um, he ends up eating everybody's finishers and gets choke slammed, (laughs) and Big Evil gets the big win right here. It's, It's really, really well done. It's fantastic. So, well, speaking of something else well done, man, let's hit the next SmackDown, dude. SmackDown 160, uh, September 12th, 2002. I just, ladies and gentlemen listening at home, you are cordially invited to the commitment <laughs> ceremony between Billy and Chuck tonight. Oh, man. Incredible <laughs> oh, stuff here. This. Um, it's one of the best swerves any... ever. Yeah, absolutely. It's great segment. Blew my brain when. Um, when Bischoff revealed himself as the, as the the pastor and uh, three minute warning come out and attack Billy and Chuck, it is just the whole thing just blew my mind as a sixteen year old and I just I loved it and seriously yeah like you said one of the best swerves bro that's ever <laughs> happened uh, it's not a Russo swear but really cool night but anyway the show opens with a recap of last week and again the the bombshell that Sarah's pregnant and we got footage spliced in from 2001 here where she accompanies take her to the ring just to bring back all your horrible memories oh, so God. didn't have her opinion DDP there but um, anyway <laughs> might as well have <laughs> <clears throat> yeah exactly well Lesnar kicks off the show in another famous moment uh, on this Smackdown this is the infamous match where he and Hardcore Holly uh have that match and he drops Holly on his head when he sandbags him for that power bomb and it's whew, 
how does Hogger Holly take an F5 after that, dude? Exactly, man. <laughs> you just, this match, if you told me this was a shoot the entire time, I would believe you. Because they, they beat the ever-loving crap out of each other. And it's clear, like, they're not, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a wrestler, but it seems to me right. like they're not cooperating the whole time. Man, they are right. not on the same page. It's uh, It's something to see. You want to talk Japanese strong style? Let's go Whew. with this SmackDownese strong style, right? Alabama here. strong style. <laughs> I got an idea. He's How about you break my neck? He's trying to take the title off Brock for a shoot, right? He was. It didn't quite so, work out for him. Oh man, it is. Oh, it's crazy. But later on, we see Taker and Sarah arriving backstage, and she's got long brown hair now and has a little baby bump. I, I guess it's a little. I guess it's not real. It's one of those little prosthetic things. I don't know if she was really pregnant or not. I didn't care to look it up either because I hate her so much. Uh, I just assumed she was. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to do some research here while you're talking. Well, Mark the Mizark Lloyd uh, is back in action. Uh, again, I have managed to block him from my, my memory <laughs> of all. I know I can remember all these episodes, but I cannot remember this guy. But anyway, he knocks on Taker's door, and like Taker answers, and he like Mark immediately apologizes for knocking. I'm as, so sorry, so sorry to interrupt. Me. As he should. Yeah, but um, he's you know he's like I think it's weird that you brought Sarah with you tonight, and Taker's like, well, if Sarah has some family here, and I can't remember that Indianapolis, Minneapolis, one of the Appalaches, Annapolis, I don't know. They're in some kind of polis, but um, <laughs> some kind of apolis. They're there, and uh, Taker's like, yeah, she's got some family here, so I brought her with me. We're going to go visit them later. So, um, Well, at this point, Matt Hardy runs in again and uh, congratulates Taker on you know Sarah being pregnant, and he says, you know, how cool, you know, one day I'm going to have a little Matt Hardy running around, and um, Taker's like, you know, we should have this conversation another time. And Matt continues talking about his kid, and I hope all my I hope my future kids have all my attributes. And Taker just pie faces him, shoves him all the way across the the hallway, and just into the wall. And uh, it's just a stupid cheesy moment. But the camera zooms in on Matt, and he's like, "Oh, someone needs a attitude adjustment," which is just it's good, man. He's slowly working into this heel gimmick. He's still kind of a face, but he's gonna work into the heel here. But um. And again, he's uh, looking into the future, and he does have two kids that have all his attributes: uh, King yep. Maxwell and uh, whatever the other one's name is, something other, some other strange name. But anyway, his children it, man. will be the Hardy Boys at some point too, I'm sure. So I guess Undertaker Hardy Boys 2.0. is responsible for Maxwell Hardy and the Broken <laughs> Universe. Sure. <laughs> Right here, this planted the seeds in my heart's mind to have. So kids. made him want to have kids. <laughs> yeah. so, Dude, Undertaker's um, kind of a heel here, man. He is. Like, he is. Matt Hardy's just trying to he's, talk to him. <laughs> I know, and he just pie faced him across the ring, so or across the uh, the hallway. But anyway, later on, uh, uh, Matt Hardy barges into Stephanie's office. He's like, "I demand a match against Taker tonight," and she's like, "All right, you're going to get him in the main event." So. Matt Hardy got a main event against Taker right here. So um, Taker's shadow boxing backstage, warming up in the locker room, and he's like, you know, tell Sarah, I'll be right back. It shouldn't take too long, which he's overlooking Matt Hardy a little bit there, I think. <laughs> I think so. But, um, so she is uh, – she's not impressed. She grabs a book and starts reading. I guess she's not going <laughs> to – it's not going to be a sellout at the monitor. Yeah, no sellout at the monitor for this match, so she's not looking forward to it. Yeah, but, she's got an undefeated um, record. She doesn't really you know, care about yeah. what's that. She's, she's already – conquered this business oh yeah she has she got that big one over ddp and she's good to go man so um well matt hardy later on knocks on brock's door and he's like yeah you ready 
And um, Matt Hardy's going to come out to the ring with this new Monster Magnet theme, and uh, I just so slap a tornado. Man, I guess I would love to slap a tornado, but Matt Hardy can. So, <laughs> doesn't quite have his Matt facts yet, but he's he's ready to get him. But um, he heads out, and Brock Lesnar and uh, Paul Heyman are with him. So, I. Yeah. <laughs> Strange, but awesome. I, I liked it. it, man. They weren't like an official thing, but it was. They had a little <clears throat> little alliance going on. I like stuff, and like it all that. makes sense. It does. Yep. It's if you've been paying attention, it all makes sense. He's got his V one vest that he'll become, you know, come to associate with his V one character. And um, again, like I just said, he who knew that Taker created Matt Hardy version one, but he did. And um, Taker rides out and throws his shirt in Brock's face right when he gets in the ring, which is kind of a heel move again. So. <laughs> um, this match is it's it's fun. It's pretty much a squash, but Heyman's getting up on the apron and trying to distract Taker and just being annoying. He slides a chair in and Mike Kidder like throws it out and eventually he kicks Heyman to the back because he's just too annoying basically. And uh, Matt Hardy hits a Death Valley blow and starts to get the upper hand and uh, Brock starts getting involved on the outside as Mike Kidder is distracted. And anyway, long story short, uh, as Taker's beating up Hardy, we see Paul Heyman on the little Tron entering Taker's locker room and Sarah's like get out get out and uh, Taker just abandons the match yes. abandons ship runs Which is up exactly what he land. should do man he doesn't yes. like get distracted and get rolled up he goes for his wife which is what yeah, he should he, do exactly he goes and uh, like I said Heyman is just at his sleaziest best you know he's creepy he's ugh, makes your skin crawl the way he's like sleezing on Sarah here but uh, he talks about um how beautiful and pregnant she is, her pregnant glow and all that stuff, and take her barges in immediately and just goozles Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> He's just screaming. And uh, but as he does that, um, we uh, <clears throat> we uh, hear Brock enter and he just smashes Taker and gives him instant CTE with his chair oh shot. It God. is nasty. And uh, then Brock backs Sarah up against the wall, places his giant right hand on her stomach. And gets right in her face and says, Life's a bitch. And our word of the month here. And our word of the episode. And then he like tries to make her flinch. He like <gasps> like, like gets in her face like that. I'm like, dude, she's a pregnant woman. Like, yes. But um, he's big dogging her. And then he leaves. And Sarah tends to take her on the ground. And it's just, uh, it's too much soap opera. <laughs> It sucks, dude. It's you don't need this extra layer to this feud. Like you said, you've got everything you need with Lesnar and Taker and Heyman. They can carry this by themselves. And then you throw the Matt Hardy stuff in there and that stuff's really yeah. fun and different. And that gives it something extra in there. And then you got this soap opera pregnant wife garbage that just takes it off the rails, man. It's so unnecessary. So frustrating. It is. It is, but ugh. anyway, let's get over Sarah. Let's move on. <laughs> well, apparently, well, just like Undertaker, I don't know what's in Brock's right. <laughs> I don't know what kind of a uh, metahuman or X Men powers Brock Lesnar has in his right hand, but it's enough to send a pregnant woman to the hospital. Apparently, yeah. I mean, he's basically Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got apparently. the go home SmackDown here. Episode 161 from September 19th, 2002. Uh, Paul Heyman is in Stephanie's office. He's telling her they need to talk tonight. He informs her that he's hired some armed guards to protect Lesnar tonight. Off-duty cops, he says. Let me just remind you of that. Okay, let's let's just 
remember that, ladies and gentlemen. These are off-duty police officers, okay? Go ahead, sorry. Important point. <laughs> Stephanie stops Paul and tells him that Sarah went into false labor today because of all the stress she's been under and had to go to the hospital. Oh, my God. Like, who cares? <laughs> Like, oh, man. that's not what we want to see on wrestling, man. Right. I hate pregnancy angles in wrestling. Anyway, no. the Terry Runnels one, the Lita one. It never works. Jane Snitsky punts a baby. Uh, it never, never, <laughs> never works. Paul Hammond says, oh, that's great. Undertaker won't be here tonight. And Stephanie says, oh, no, no, no. Sarah was released from the hospital, and Undertaker is trying desperately to get here to the arena tonight. So Hammond leaves, and... He goes to talk to Lesnar. He's surrounded by all those cops. And he tells Lesnar, Taker's on his way, and we need to come up with a different strategy for tonight. So uh, I like that, you know, Heyman, excuse me, Lesnar's doing a lot of different stuff because he's actually going to wrestle tonight. He's got a tune-up match against a young kid from West Newberry, Massachusetts (laughs) by the name of John Cena. Uh, About 12 years before Suplex City was born between these two guys. And uh, Cena's got on his neon salmon and blue tights and boots, man. It's so funny to see. Is that a Colorado Springs color or something? I something guess. In Colorado? I don't That's know what, what they the are. He, yeah, because he usually tried to make a match to whatever city he was in. Yeah. Well, dude, they, one of my favorite signs of all time is in the audience. Taker rules, Lesnar drools. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Classic. And, uh... I think this was their first ever match in WWE. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they wrestled in OVW a number of yeah, times. Yeah, they did. But uh, I think this was their first TV match against each other. And cool to see with all their history. Brock kind of slowly picks apart Cena as Heyman. He's nervously just looking around on the outside, looking for Undertaker to come out. And he's just imploring Lesnar to just go ahead, finish him off. Come on, we want to get back to the locker room, get back to the police. And Brock finally does. He... Pop Cena up from a crucifix position into the yeah. F5. He's been doing a lot of that, like getting people into the F5 from really cool mm-hmm. ways. So this was really fun to see that. And um, they head back to the locker room finally. Uh, Cole is blabbing on about his normal stupid stuff. I've never seen anybody get in Undertaker's mind the way the Lesnar has. <laughs> Obviously, not remembering anything that's ever happened. <laughs> Like, not remembering DDP who stalked his wife, yeah. not remembering, uh, I don't know, his dead brother that came back to nope. life, basically. No, nope. Brock Lesnar, first person to ever do that. <laughs> I hated Cole when he said that. It took the thumbs up. It was a big thumbs down. So. <laughs> Major thumbs down. <laughs> Batista double thumbs down. <laughs> well, you know, Travis, we've talked a lot about music edits on the WWE yeah. Network and how terrible some of them are. And it's so random. Like, we'll get you know get stuff intact on there like yeah we get one of the wwe desire videos here for the undertaker hyping him up since he's you know quote unquote wink wink not on the show tonight and right. it's <laughs> set to the song adrenaline by mm-hmm. is it by gavin rosdale or by bush I don't know. it's just gavin rosdale okay, solo, solo. triple x soundtrack man this song is good dude <laughs> it's not a bad song it's not yeah, it's, it's yeah. better than a lot of songs we hear yeah yeah on wwe yeah. but it's a cool video. We'll have to post it on it's our awesome. social media stuff because it covers. It's one of those desire videos they had back then. It covers his whole career, which they didn't really reference all that much during this time, right. the Dead Man stuff. But it covers everything, 
And like I said, I'm glad they got the rights to it on the network. It's cool. It's not edited out with some crappy generic guitar riff on there. It's the actual song. So it was cool to watch, especially considering, you know, how we've covered his career uh, over the past year and a half and does a great job of putting him over what a veteran he is and sets him apart from the uh, unproven Brock Lesnar here. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I loved it. And he's doing a little voiceover saying, you know, I just hope the fans know that I gave it my all when I'm out there, you know. It's, just, it's really, like, raw and real. It's, it's not storyline, guys. Mark Calloway seems like talking about his career. I love the fact that I can go out there and I can affect people's emotions. I enjoy going out there and laying it all out on the line. I like taking my body to the limit. I love what I do. Really neat. Um, and it plays right along with his dead man character, and he is now. I mean, the big evil character, the more realistic guy. So, it was, yeah, very cool to add those layers to his character. Uh, Heyman and Lesnar have decided they're going to stick around and face down the Undertaker instead of running away out of fear tonight. And finally, uh, you know, at the end of the show, Undertaker is going to arrive. He comes into the building dressed in his business denim from head to toe. This <laughs> <laughs> time, baby. Taz calls Undertaker the Emotional Freight Train, his new nickname. <laughs> That's a heck of a nickname. Right there. <laughs> EFT. The EFT. The Emotional Freight Train. Holy cow. Was that oh. a character on Thomas the Tank Engine? The I Emotional Freight Train? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> Linus the Emotional Freight Train. Well, um, I did not remember that nickname, but... I also did not remember this theme song that Taker comes out Dude, to on this episode of SmackDown. What was this? It's awful. It's like it's like Jim Johnson's in between Dead Man Walking and then the one with the lyrics. But it, yeah, we you hear the gong here, Dead Man Walking. It's just some weird, like generic creative wrestler music. It is awful. Yeah. I think this is the only appearance yes. ever. Because he's Cause, he's changed it by the pay per view. So this yeah. is it. It's rotten, man. Rotten. <laughs> Maybe that's why Taker's in a bad mood. Uh, he he comes out and says, you know, tonight has nothing to do with business. This is personal, and I'm here to teach you a lesson tonight, Brock. You either come out here or I'm going to come out there and find you. He says the word of the week and says, Last week you said, as you put your hand on my wife, an unborn child. That life is a bitch. What I'm here to tell you, Pop, payback's a bitch. Man, that was, that was the word to use. It was. Time. It was, man. But it works, man. It gets popped from the crowd every time they oh, say sure. it. And it brings out Lesnar and Heyman. Uh, obviously, you know, you're going to get somebody to come out when you call him that. And Heyman's trying to slow Lesnar down, uh, but Lesnar just kind of shoves Heyman to the side and goes into the ring. He goes after Taker, rams him into the corner, but Taker fights out. And then Heyman calls out their associate, Matt Hardy, to try to make <laughs> yeah. the save. Run interference here. Taker, of course, he throws his whipping boy, Matt Hardy, around. Lesnar escapes, and Heyman kind of encourages him to walk away. And Matt Hardy receives the brunt of Taker's punishment. Uh, Taker follows Lesnar to the back. Uh, Heyman and Lesnar are just hiding behind these off-duty police officers here. And they've arrested 
Paul Hay or excuse me, Brock Lesnar, I guess, put him into protective custody for Brock Lesnar's benefit as the show goes <sighs> off the air. What what the heck is this, man? Yeah, Lesnar gets in the back of the cop car and they pull off and like again, these off duty cops are are you're not you can't cuff people and drive away in your cop car and stuff and they're all in their like rent a cop suits and it was just like why don't you just say they're why do they have to say they're off duty? Uh, they're not. They're no. they're supposed to have been on duty cop. But anyway, it is so just dumb. man. Yeah, I guess Lesnar got himself arrested so that he doesn't beat up Taker. I don't know, but man, Taker should have been tired because it took. I mean, dude, it said that he was on his way to the arena, and I did I did some little Google map in here. <laughs> okay. If 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 he and Sarah were in Houston, Texas at the at the uh, hospital, yeah, and he had to get to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And Stephanie at the beginning of the show said he's trying to get here. It's a 15-hour drive. <laughs> it's, 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 it's no wonder he got to this Not show on his motorcycle, man. Did. Well, yeah, because remember when he dug up his dead parents of the thing? He, he made it to the... Dude, he's going 150 <laughs> miles down the interstate in that cycle, dude. So, he made it there in seven hours, man. <laughs> That's anyway, right, man. I just thought it was funny. So, But, yeah, uh, these off-duty cops are going to take Lesnar away. And I guess they release him because he does make it to the show at Unforgiven. So. He does, man. And uh, I'll tell you what. Really, yeah. It's, there's a lot of crap in here. There's a lot. It's like 50-50. There's some really right. awesome stuff. And a lot of bad stuff, but you know what I loved about this more than anything, above all the stuff I hated? What's that? These guys, they don't really touch each other for the majority of this build. Right. They're not in any matches against each other. They're not in any tag matches or six-man tags. And they have promos against each other. They have that face-to-face. They have a little, very, very minimal physicality with each other heading into this pay-per-view, which was perfect you had Mm -hmm. to pay to see these guys not only wrestle but just to get physical in general and that made you want to see these guys face off for the first time and so you know as much as we buried the stuff with sarah they did that part perfectly for this very very well done oh yeah absolutely sure did man and like um brock's having these little He's having matches every week, you know, against people and just beating them up and really building his, yes. you know, legacy up, squashing folks. And, you know, he didn't have to wrestle someone related to Undertaker every time. He just had matches, you know, have exhibition matches. It's just, it made so much sense. It was so much simpler and easy. So, yeah, good stuff, man. But that takes us to Unforgiven 2002. So, uh, September 22nd, 02, from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, which we just kind of take for granted nowadays that yeah. I think SummerSlam was there like six years in a row or something but this is the uh first ever pay-per-view from from there there had been some nitros a nitro from there in 2000 there was a a raw from there but this is the first wwe pay-per-view from there so pretty neat that's pretty neat and uh i remember this one man i remember it for sure i remember this match i believe you gave me this for christmas i think in 2002 (laughs) i know you gave it to me man yeah you did i had this dvd you wrapped it in aluminum foil as as usual (laughs) your standard wrapping paper uh i wonder why i picked this one i think you gave it must have just come out because i'm pretty sure you gave me the next one no mercy for my birthday uh, in Uh, february so you know, September 2002 is probably just coming out around Christmas time. So, yeah, uh, probably so. And this was, you know, definitely a memorable matchup here. Uh, we get a video package opening the show, 
highlighting the fact that we've got two title matches happening, the world title for the first time and the undisputed title and you know, putting over the stories of both those matches and that story of that young rookie going up against this decade of destruction. Yeah, so the show um, opens with uh, Gavin Rosdale echoing through the chambers of the Staples Center here. And we got, you know, we're in L.A., so we got the big stars there. Like uh, someone who's making his return to our podcast here, Will Sasso, mentioned him before. Yeah. Um, he's sitting right behind the SmackDown commentary team with his, like, Triple H beard. Um Man, it's weird. But then we got Shaq, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's there. I guess he was on the Lakers this time, at this point, yeah. probably. So, And then, in some random backstage scene later on, we get some dude from The Young and the Restless. Like, I'm supposed <laughs> to know who he is. He was a terrible actor. He was worse than D'Lo. But D'Lo's marking out for him. That was this such scene. a weird segment. Yeah, D'Lo and Billy Kidman, like, marking out for him. It's just, yeah, it was weird, man. But, but uh, yeah, anyway, thankfully, we got the commentary figured out again so we're gonna get michael Cole and taz here on commentary which is that the first time for us here on talking digger i believe it's the first time for pay-per-view uh right i remember yeah so yeah that's cool a little change of pace yeah absolutely so but um we get this cool promo before the match about you know a man growing into a legend it's got these you know the last decade clips and videos of and pictures of taker and it's juxtaposed with this a boy growing into a man over the last decade, and it's got these videos and and uh, still shots of Brock as like an amateur wrestler and uh, basically going up through his current reign of terror since he's been in um, in OVW and in WWE proper. So really cool. And um, then it recaps the build up here, brought to you by the Word of the Month, as we said. So that's right. Yeah. But it was a really neat video. <laughs> it was man. We get we get to hear the adrenaline song again, even after mm-hmm. even more. Of that. It's a really long video, but it's good. Yeah, it is. Uh, Mark Lloyd talks to Brock Heyman, uh, Brock and Heyman backstage, <laughs> just Brock Heyman, sure. And uh, Mark is saying, it's been personal. It's gotten personal, guys. And Heyman says, well, it's just been personal. Anytime you try to take the WWE title away, it's personal to Brock Lesnar. Just, you know, the same stuff again that we see yeah. here in 2019. And uh, Brock does not apologize for what he did to Sarah or what he's going to do tonight and says, you know, I'm not sorry for what I did to Undertaker's wife. And I won't be sorry for what I do to Undertaker tonight. Because when you have no remorse, you have no problem being unforgiven. Which is like the most Vincent Man line of all time. Gotta throw the pay-per-view name in there somehow, oh, yeah. one way or another. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and then we get something special, man, as we hear "Dead Man Walking" hit, and then we hear something else after that. Oh, we got the "You Done It Now," "You Gonna Make a Big Movie." Terrible <laughs> lyrics. I hate this music. Hate it. Hate it. Yikeroni. Yeah, absolutely. It's our Yikeroni friend Caleb Bacon's AD. favorite theme song, though. He loves this one. <laughs> Caleb can go choke on something. <laughs> Golly, you can dude. choke on those peaches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really love them peaches. Want to shake the tree, man? Choke on it. So, dude, this song blows. I hate it. I like the Dead Man Walking with just the music. I hate it with the lyrics, man. I'm just not a fan of adding lyrics to songs that don't need it. Theme music right. doesn't need it. They so. didn't need it. Um, doesn't well, need it. But 
let us know, Creatures of the Night, which one did you prefer? Do you prefer this theme song with lyrics or without? We need, we'll put a poll up. We need to get a vote on that. Yeah. I think you and I are firmly <laughs> anti-lyrics on this yeah. one, though. Yeah, Yakaroni indeed. Speaking of Yakaroni, if Bray Wyatt says that on the Firefly Funhouse, I'm suing. <laughs> They're definitely listening to us if that happens. <laughs> he says Yowie Wowie, which is getting close. <laughs> getting close. <laughs> but, oh, man, how great yeah. is that stuff? It's it. phenomenal. Fantastic. <laughs> so, oh. Well, uh, oddly enough, no bike here for Taker tonight. No, He's, nope. he's going to walk out to the ring. And, of course, there's lots of signs in the crowd for him, as usual, with the dead man. His fans are out, creatures of the night, and full support here tonight. As uh, Lesnar comes out second, and Taker is just pacing and walking around the ring. And you would think with this personal feud between these guys, Taker might do one of his signatures and go straight after right. Lesnar, but <laughs> nope. Nope. They just kind of wait for the bell to ring, and Lesnar walks up to him, and they go nose to nose, and Taker shoves him back. But then they kind of just circle around and uh, circle the wagons for a minute there and they feel did. each other out. So. It was kind of strange, you know. We've that's kind of been one of Taker's signatures of these personal matches, is to just immediately go at it right before the bell even rings. But not here, not here. I guess you could kind of say maybe that's showing a little bit of respect from Taker, or maybe sure. maybe even some fear, maybe some layers to that. But it was kind of odd to see. Yeah, uh, it these, didn't fit the narrative that had been told. It didn't really, um, especially when we've seen it so many times. But right, we're gonna see these guys kind of. <laughs> portrayed as equals here at the beginning they're facing off and we're gonna see these guys lock up three times and it's just kind of a stalemate between these two as the announcers are playing up that lesnar's really in taker's head and they lock up a third time and taker just shoves lesnar down all the way out of the ring power yeah man shoves him through the middle rope and he just flies out of the ring and it's just it's awesome um Crowd loves that man. That pop huge for that particular spot. So, um, but Brock is angry. He comes right back in for a headlock and Taker hip tosses him and then clotheslines Brock over the top rope. And then Lesnar is just ticked outside and he kicks the stairs so hard they like explode. <laughs> I thought they were going to the crowd, man. Like, like when he threw that, uh, Car door. Through that car door into the crowd in London or whatever. <laughs> I thought these stairs were going to the crowd. So, I just, and I will say, man. You would think this is Brock Lesnar when he's 25. He's just in the business, but he's doing some stuff here. Like it makes you think it's real. Like now, the guy who we've seen now, like he seems like he's angry. He doesn't want to do business or whatever. He's always mad for a shoot and stuff. Like this guy still had it back then too, man. Like for sure, his facials, the way he's angry, uh, it, it seems real. And this ma- this match had a big fight feel still to it. Um, in my opinion, uh, just going back and watching it, like I really enjoyed that. Uh, even though he was so young on the scene, you still felt this presence about him, and like this match was going to be something big. You know, it wasn't just a mid card throwaway match against John Cena on SmackDown. You know, that's right. And it is. We didn't mention it is the the main event. It goes on last yeah. instead of the other world title match. And it has that feel to it. We talked about. They never touched each other, you know, right. not much during the buildup. But the storytelling between the young kid and the veteran, that's what got this over. It's not the right. crap with Sarah. That's not why it has that big fight feel to it. It absolutely did not need that here. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, as the match goes on, 
Taker's working over Lesnar's arm. Lesnar's trying to power Taker into the corner, but Taker comes flying out. He gets a big flying clothesline. He gets his two count, early two count that we always see him doing, trying to win the match, and then gets a little old school there, actually connects with it here to take Lesnar down. Oh, yeah, yeah. He does hit old school there, and um, he Irish whips him. Uh, into the corner, and then Heyman gets up on the apron, and then Taker comes in and he just boots Heyman off, and Taz is like, that's my favorite part of the match. <laughs> <laughs> Taz going to have a couple of lines in there I, I really enjoyed. So. It was pretty good. I didn't yeah, mind him. He's all right. He was hating on, hating on uh, Brock, probably all, or hating on Heyman, probably all that back pay from ECW. Absolutely. Died, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Heyman, that distraction ends up working, even though he didn't get the better end of it. But uh, Lesnar is able to distracts Taker with that and then shoves him down into the corner and Lesnar takes over with a big suplex on Taker and yeah. starts working him over. He does this move where he just wraps Undertaker around the ring post on the outside, like yeah. trying to tie him into a knot down there. It looks real <laughs> painful. It looked awful. <laughs> it looked awful. Like it really hurt for a shoot. But um yeah, and the story here, Brock is uh Working over Taker's like midsection, I guess you could say his ribs. Basically, he's elbowing him and shouldering him in the in the corner, and um, gonna gonna get that bear hug. This minute. he goes for a power slam, and uh, Lesnar then goes for a bear hug. But then Taker flips out of it. Kind of, it's it's really strange. He yeah, flips out of it. And he kind of flips uh, it flips to the ground, but Brock's holding on. He, he's yeah. gonna hold on to that lock on Taker. They're gonna do some groundwork here as Taker keeps trying to fight out, but Lesnar keeps taking him down. He keeps holding on to him. He's using those amateur wrestling skills to continue wrestling Taker to the ground. Commentary's really putting over Brock's history with these bear hug type maneuvers here. Mm-hmm. Then they get back up and Taker just kinda hurls Lesnar around in a circle and dizzies him up and hurls him to the outside uh, out, out of the ring to get out of the yeah. hole. Yeah, that's what, he doesn't spin a Rooney of his own kind. He's <laughs> yeah. like, here's your, here's your take a Rooney. That's he it. just spins and uses physics to <laughs> sling Brock, the monkey off his back, the big ape, the big vanilla gorilla off his back here. Yep. So, same from the outside, and they get both back in the ring, and Taker is just uppercutting Lesnar's ribs and his kidneys and punching him, and Sends some huge right hands and sends Lesnar through the ropes again to the outside. And I just can't put over how well both these guys are selling for each other. Again, uh, Brock's really knowing how to sell. Even as a big guy, he knows how to sell for someone bigger than him as Taker, like as far as in, you know, taller and stuff. And just as an icon, um, it's good. And then Taker's doing a good job selling for Brock too, man. Good stuff. He is. As this fight gets taken to the next level outside, Taker kind of slings Lesnar into the timekeeper's table and that allows Lesnar to reach over and get his undisputed title, smack Taker in the face with it while Heyman is distracting the referee, and that busts Taker open. Uh, <laughs> <Ding>. no, it's, <laughs> it's not much of a, a blade job here. He's not bleeding too much. Didn't quite get all of it there, but uh, Lesnar's trying to do what he can as he gets Taker inside. He's trying to grind his elbow into that cut yeah. on Taker's head, tries to open it up, but it never quite, not a ton of blood, but a little bit there. Yeah, this is 16 years, 14 years before he would do that for a shoot against Randy right. Orton yeah. <laughs> and and Roman Reigns. So this was, uh, yeah, he's grinding that cut, trying to open it up. And um, Taker fires back and splashes Lesnar. The stinger splashes him in the corner twice and then tries to choke slam Lesnar, but he elbows out. And 
Um, but then Taker gets him in a huge old big boot again and gets goes for that pinfall, you know, gets a two count. So uh, Taker's hitting some more moves here, snake eyes and another big boot for another two count. And Heyman kind of slides in and almost grabs Taker's leg, but doesn't quite make contact there. But um, more punching in the corner, and then Taker whips Irish, Irish whips Brock, but the referee, Brian Hebner, gets squashed. So I think that this runs in the family. Getting it does. Hurt, getting <laughs> So he's going to go down, and Undertaker does finally get that choke slam, but it's all for naught because it looks like he should get the three count, but of course the ref is down. And that's going to bring in Big Money Matt, version one, coming in in the main event to interfere. And it, he absolutely just eats a huge last ride for his troubles, man. Oh, it's nasty. It's great. It's, it's nasty in all the good ways. You know... The last I, one. I really think the Undertaker is the Hardy Boys' biggest fan because he, he must be. loves working with these guys, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. It's so cool to see. It is, man. It's good. Well, after that last ride, Brock's going to hit Taker with a huge spine buster, just digs him straight into the canvas and uh, gets two count as the referee is magically woken up just in time <laughs> for the heel to get the pinfall. Um, but the crowd is into it. It's a good near. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this ending's a uh, little. A section we're heading into the crowd's really really getting into it so taker's gonna counter a irish whip with a running ddt for two and Heyman is distraught outside and taker's gonna slash his throat well not brock's gonna do the throat <laughs> slash <laughs> he's not murdering people here but doing the throat slash signaling for the tombstone i guess so yeah but brock wiggles out he gets and he kind of shoves taker into the ref this time so the ref is down and yeah. out again Heyman is able to use this distraction this time to slide a chair into the ring, and Lesnar goes to use it, but Taker boots Brock down, and then Undertaker just literally wraps the chair around Brock Lesnar's head in a nasty chair shot. Oh, mm. man. It hurt to watch, and just looking at the chair afterward, it, I mean, it is... You can't fake it. No. You can't teach that either to <laughs> borrow see, a line from end zone gas. You see Lesnar's face and nose imprint in this chair, man. It is awful. <laughs> it's like the chair was made with those little things from like the late nineties where like it's all the little pins and you can put your face or your hand in it and yeah. make it mold. The chair might as well be made out of one of those. Whew. So yeah. But um after that nasty chair shot, um, he does it again, and Lesnar flies again through the ropes to the outside, the bump on like a cruiserweight, and Taker goes out there, and Heyman is begging off, and Taker just punches Heyman right in the face, and he falls into the crowd <laughs> over the barricade. That's and awesome. then Taz goes, oh, poor crowd. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. And uh, Brock Lesnar is actually going to be busted open here for apparently mm-hmm. the first time in his career, first time in WWE here so again selling the intensity selling how this match is different this is the biggest challenge brock lesnar has ever faced in his career which taker told him at that tiny table as well as going to be that, he did so. he said he set it up and taker's going to do what lesnar tried to do he tries to open up that cut even more with some punches and taker hits the hogan special big boot yeah. and leg drop but that only gets two on lesnar as he's about to try to finish him off here Oh, crowd is shocked at that man kick out. They thought that was it. It was great, great false finish there. And then, well, Undertaker Taker, did used to wear Hogan's belt, you know. That one time. Right. maybe they got confused <laughs> and thought he was doing. Maybe so, maybe so. 
Um, we'll take who's going to pose to the last ride and um, get Brock in position, but Lesnar's going to flip him over and then go for an F5 and actually start the move, but Tex is going to land on his feet, and they start slugging away at each other, and they're both punching each other in the corner, and the referee, Brian Hebner, is trying to get in between them. He, you know, he's learned from his dad about how to how to separate the, the big boys in the <laughs> ring, and Lesnar's going to just goozle the ref uh, and just cram him in the corner. And uh, keep attacking, he and Taker keep attacking each other, and then this apparently leads to the finish. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah, the referee just decides to throw the match out and disqualify both these guys as they continue to fight and roll around and bump into him, and the crowd absolutely mm. hates this as the ref throws it out at about 20 minutes and 27 seconds, and a, I guess a double disqualification. I guess so, man. But yeah, the crowd, like you said, it's Los Angeles is booing so hard, man. They are not happy, you know. Um, which is funny because this is Lesnar's first, uh, well, his second main event match. And this uh, finish is, uh, we'll see finishes like this to this day with his matches, you know. As far as the way pay-per-views end, it's not always send the crowd home happy. Sometimes we get this kind of crap like this and... It's all started here, man. I didn't remember it starting way back then, but it did, you know? So it's funny how so much of his uh, character and, uh, I guess, uh, iconic things like this have stayed the same. They've gone unchanged for 17 years. Well, they are going to try to save it here. As yeah. More refs going to come out, try to get in between these two guys, try to stop the fight. Uh, Taker gets in between them and finally hits a choke slam again on Lesnar, but Heyman finally is able to pull Lesnar away and towards the back, but Undertaker, the zombie, he's going to keep on coming, keep stalking him down. Oh, yeah. Crowd's chanting BS, boom, but Taker's going to come after him. They're fighting in the aisleway, and they just cannot be broken up, no matter what these officials do. And then finally, Taker has enough, grabs Brock by the seat of his pants, and just throws him through the unforgiven sign. This, uh, I guess at the end of the aisleway, throws him through it. Brock takes a great, just like Superman dive <laughs> straight through it, and crowd wakes up, pops huge for that. They love seeing that. So that was good to see the babyface um, have the last laugh there, I guess you could say. So, And it, the show just goes off the air like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess they were hit the time cue perfectly, but uh, yeah. Michael Cole gives this cheesy line at the end and says, there was absolutely no forgiveness at the hands of The Undertaker tonight. Just totally tries to ruin the moment here. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, a really, really memorable visual and moment uh, that was, you know, ending the pay-per-view on a high note after a good match, man, but that finish, Mm -hmm. whew, that finish is brutal, man. It's, it's, it kind of sucks. Yeah, it was the pits, man. The finish was. Well, like I said, that being said, the match was heavy hitting. It was physical. They both bled. Even the bear hug spots didn't drag because yeah. there's always movement. They're yeah. always moving in the ring. They Take worked well with the each run. Other. Both of them sell on the run. You know, it's it's good stuff. Um, I really enjoyed that. The ending definitely took away. Um, wasn't there a was that the Sean and uh, Taker was it Ground Zero ninety seven? That was similar to this finish here. Yes, that's what this really reminded me of. That we covered, you know, back in the archives, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Ground Zero in your house, where oh. it was they just brawled and brawled and brawled and kept beating up the referees and throwing them out, and there was you know the the ring could not contain these guys, 
And that's really what they were going for here. The same feel. I never noticed it till I watched it back now. I didn't put those pieces yeah. together. But obviously they're building towards the same thing next month. Towards the Hell in a Cell. Just like they were building back in 1997. So ah. they're going to have that contained. That's, that's the same story, <laughs> yeah. man. They were telling yeah. here. And they even, wow. you know, the end of that, they tried to make up for that non-finish with that big spot with Undertaker yeah. doing the big dive. They try to make up for the non-finish here with this big brawl and Taker throwing Lesnar through the signage there. It doesn't quite, hmm. to me, get to that same level as that Ground Zero match, but it's... Oh, no. You look at it, that's the same story they're trying to tell and trying to get You're to right. here. They really are, man. It's just copy-paste, you know, uh, five years later. But, um, yeah, like I said, not doesn't work quite as well as that one. But, again, for their first outing, I really enjoyed the match and the, the, the meat of the match, you know. Um, something strange, though. I was doing some research. I was reading some reviews of the show, just several different ones. I mean, I watched it and trying to get some dirt sheet answers and stuff. But I found a lot of hate for Taker with regards to this particular match. Um, again, I was going to say allegedly. Allegedly, whoever you believe, this, they – story is that Taker lobbied not to job to Brock here. Um, even though Brock had beaten Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, uh, The Rock, cleanly, you know, of course he didn't beat Austin. He was supposed to. But um, allegedly, Taker didn't want to go down that route since he's a full-time active roster member. But um, I don't believe that, man. I really don't. <laughs> I, I, I just... Uh, but a lot of the internet marks at this time were just really crapping on this particular finish. And a lot of the reviews for this I read were just like, you know, great match. We're taking ruined it by not jobbing, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but I – and also a couple of dirt sheets I read said that allegedly Brock won him over through this match. And that's why they went what they went to later on. But I think just not knowing Taker personally but hearing stories and knowing what – how about the dude probably saw money in this feud? <laughs> And uh, or he wasn't writing the show, but well, maybe he saw money and said, "Hey Vince, how about instead of me putting this guy over clean one time, let's drag it out to two two months? You know, let's go something bigger and better. Let's drag it out. I mean, because who else is he going to feud with to get himself over? Like we we already talked about, Benoit and Angle aren't going to cut it right now. Taker's going to cut it. You know, so I don't know. That's just me speculating. I don't I don't see this." Taker politicking for this kind of stuff, but I just think if anything, he's a smart businessman, dude. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's talking about. He's been there long enough, so I think people just kind of pennies in the wad because their internet um, darlings weren't, you oh, know, yeah. uh, taken care of here. So you're right, man. The older I get, the more I call BS on internet yeah. wrestling <laughs> rumors, and the less yeah. I pay attention to it and exactly. and read it at all. Uh, but you know, going back to the reasons I just talked about, that's why I call BS on on all that crap. Because yes. when you actually look at it with hindsight and perspective, that's why they did this finish is because they're yes. building to next month, and that's where right. they were trying to get to. And yeah. they needed somebody to bridge the gap with Lesnar for a couple exactly. pay per views. For so that's why they didn't have him beat him, and they decided to. Just copy and paste that story from 1997. That's why this happened, not because of these backstage politics. Right. It's such garbage. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't buy any The either. rest of like the iconic guys are on, are on Raw. You got Sean, you got Triple H, you got uh, Ric Flair, who's already beaten. You got Jericho. Those guys are on Raw. On SmackDown, he doesn't have another. And, and in my opinion, too, I believe that's why they moved Taker to SmackDown, yeah. honestly, because Rock was not a full-time member anymore. Hogan wasn't. Those were like the staples you of, have uh, to raise the, the stakes split. at some point. You yeah. can't have Lesnar beat everybody and just right. murder them every single time. You have to 
have some sort of tension, or yeah. else there's, it's it's boring. There's no story exactly. to it. Exactly. And that's part of the problem with his run nowadays is that there wasn't always that with Lesnar. He just, he right. just won every time. There was not, no uh, dispute over what was going to happen too often. Yeah. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about 2002, and we're going to tell the next part of this story. And as they escalate this feud at No Mercy 2002 in a Hell in a Cell match next week, uh, we cannot wait to talk about that yeah. one. A classic Hell in a Cell match. If you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch it so you can be part of the discussion with us on next week's podcast. But before we get there, we want to hear your thoughts on this one. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tell us what you thought of this match. Tell us, like we said, which version of Taker's theme song you prefer better, yeah. with lyrics or without, or maybe that random one-week version of his song. Are you a, the world's biggest fan of that version of that song? Did you like all this crap with Sarah? Did you, did you want more Sarah for some bizarre reason? Hit us up. We want to hear all your thoughts at Talking Taker. Uh, you can also leave a comment or review on all the different podcasting platforms. You know, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, subscribe and download and leave a rating that does a big way to, uh, big, that does a lot to help us out. And then, of course, if you want to really support the show, you can get a t shirt at tpublic.com. We got all those available. We'll have sales going on throughout the month of May. We'll link to those when they go on sale cheap. Just buy it cheap. It's okay. It's not going to hurt our feelings. Yeah, buy them when they're $13. I try to always post them up. They do a monthly sale on tpublic.com. So just wait. Hold on to your money. They'll be on sale soon. They go on sale every couple weeks. So pick one up then. It would do the world in helping us out, you know? Because, uh, uh, you know, we got to we got to keep the show going for another 100 episodes. <laughs> yeah, we got a long way to go. Especially if Tegas has been wrestling again this year. So oh, he's not showing no signs of slowing down. So uh, He will not be a Starcast, though. So those of you who are going to Starcast to meet him, sorry about that. Sorry about your dang luck. But we do have something special for you if you do meet him and talk to Tegas Garb. Again, I got something As special always. cooked up. Um, so, and I just want to say too, I just was thinking this today. We just appreciate you guys listening, and like I said, we always appreciate more than two downloads for our numbers because, um, especially now when we started this podcast, there weren't as many, but now there are thousands of wrestling podcasts, and even the stars, oh, yeah. there are thousands of those, and it's just getting so watered down. I know you and I are having to cut back on how many we can even <laughs> listen to of our of guys we listen to. Freaking Stone Cold Steve also taking six months off already, so he's not even doing it. And like it's just getting so watered down so the fact that we have any of you listening consistent numbers every week we really do appreciate that it means a lot and you guys are interacting with us and telling us you know your experiences it really does mean a lot because we're just a couple of jay browns having to have having fun you know no insight uh, more than you do but just having a good time doing this and interacting with you guys so and that's been the cool part of it we did have a few of you talk about your memories of this match as uh we, we ask for your comments as we do every week uh, at Wrestling Sane Ma she's reached out to us a bunch of times she was excited to see this one was coming down the pike said this is one of my favorite matches between these guys praise hands fire emoji on there and then uh, our no boy, peach emoji no peach emoji <laughs> then get them peaches 
Um, <laughs> you know, the guy who always gets them features is Randy Turco. Uh, he said... He, loved, he did love Stephanie. He said, that's his high school college crush. Stephanie was looking good. She was looking right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, he said Brock was always Taker's kryptonite, the one guy he could never yeah. really get the best of. But they did have some barn burners in 2002 and agreed that the best moment of Unforgiven was that spot tossing <laughs> through the stage on there. And then uh, old... Well, Jay Bags himself, the Jeremy Bagley on Twitter, he posted a great little meme of, uh, you know, that promo that Vince and Stephanie, oh, the Stacey uh, Vincent, Giebler, yeah. not Vince and Stephanie, hold Ooh, up. Oh, yikes. <laughs> That's another that. subject, yeah. Vincent <laughs> Stacy promo where he's making all those faces and he's talking about how Taker showed all years of ability to the locker room and then... He's giving a little smile, and then Shawn Michaels treats you like crap, leaves to find his smile, and Vince is getting real excited there, and then Brock leaves whenever he wants, uses you as his personal ATM, and uh, Vince goes uh, goes into shock with his smile. Yeah. you got to go see it on our Twitter, but I retweeted it. It's very, very funny, very well done, and very scarily accurate. Uh, so thanks for that, Mr. Bagley, and uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, keep them coming out there, folks. We'll keep on rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride. Yes, and if you were there, please let us know if you were at the Staples uh, Center for the first ever WWE pay-per-view there. Again, we've, there's plenty more we're going to cover from there, I'm sure, but um, first one here, if you were there, if you sat next to Will Sasso or uh, Shaq or some <laughs> other um, Hollywood jabroni there uh let us know but anyway other than that ladies and gentlemen take her easy sorry to bother you undertaker but people are surprised to see that you brought your wife sarah to the arena especially after paul Heyman's comments regarding her last week you know, not that it's any concern of yours, but Sarah happens to have friends and family here in Minneapolis. And she wanted to see him. That's all right, and you don't have a problem with it. Oh, no. Hey, no, no, Taker. I just... Hey, Taker, man. Look, I just wanted to congratulate you on your wife being pregnant. That's awesome. How cool is it going to be to have a little Undertaker run around the house? I mean, one day I'm going to have a little one. Matt Hardy, version two. Oh, congratulations. You know, Matt, I think uh, we might be able to have this conversation some other time, all right? No, look, seriously. Seriously. One day I'm going to have a kid, and it's going to have all of my attributes. But, you know, with my girlfriend injured, it's kind of tough, you know what I mean? Anyway, I just wanted to say hello to the mother-to-be and congratulate her. The mother-to-be, she don't need your damn congratulations. So why don't you just get the hell out of here? Oh! Looks like somebody definitely needs a attitude adjustment.